fashion, join a procession, the truth and the beauty. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh God, thank you for the life and holiness of your servant, venerable Frederick Mariner. I pray that you will honor him by telling him the He dedicated himself completely to his missionary activity to make me known, loved, and served by the people of your love. Lord, I pray through Venerable Frederick Barragas and intercession for the Catholics of Michigan. May they have the missionary zeal and the abbot of apostles. And the resources necessary to reach every intended soul to build the body of Christ. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Hello, everyone. Hello, Father. Welcome home. Thank you very much. Right. Um, <coughs> here's where we're going to go for. Here's what we've done and where we're going to go for the next um, couple of months, unless I do what I often do and change my mind, right? So, we have looked at the Acts of the Apostles as a historical document, <clears throat> some of the things in that we had to look at. We looked at the three pillars of the church. What are the three pillars of the church? Scripture. Scripture. Tradition. Magisterium. So with Scripture, we looked at the who, what, and where. In tradition, we looked at the why it's important and the magisterium, where we got, where we get the idea from and how it's put into to practice or was perceived by the early church and how it got into practice now. Roughly speaking, we covered the first 120 articles of the catechism, I think. Now what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to do the, the apostles. What happened to the apostles? A little bit about them. What happened to the apostles? after Pentecost. Um, next week, we might, if we finish the Apostles this week, next week I'll probably do the Journeys of St. Paul. If we don't finish the Apostles tonight, I'll finish off the Apostles, uh, no pun intended, and, and um, then the Journeys of St. Paul. Um, then I'm going to do the Fall of Jerusalem, um, the DDK, which I'll explain at the time, then the Apostolic Fathers, then why and how Rome became the centre, then how Christianity spread, then the start of persecutions, and within the start of the persecutions, I'll explain where we get the word lapsed from, and also what a heresy is. And hopefully, by the time we get to Christmas, we'll be at the, what's called the Edict of Milan. So, if you're wondering what all that meant, um, stay tuned. Okay, so, apostles. How many apostles are there? Twelve. Who wants to have another guess? Eleven. <laughs> Who wants to have another guess? Seven. Everybody. Thirteen. 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 So, one of them hung himself, and then he was replaced. And one of them wasn't picked by Jesus in the Gospels. He was picked by Jesus on the road to Damascus. Right. So I'm not going to cover St. Paul tonight. But St. Paul is considered to be an apostle. He talks about himself as an apostle. And nobody contradicts him that he's an apostle. So St. Paul's considered to be an apostle. 
just as a bit of a Catholic trivia question. I had a great one today for Mass. So I thought it was a good joke. I didn't. I, I didn't understand. I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't hear. What I'm you so said. glad this is being recorded. No, no, no. I couldn't understand who's what the, he said. Who's it. the? Who's the only man to have broke all ten commandments in the one day? Moses. You ruined that. She's. I'm, I'm standing right in front of her. Right, it's got nothing to do with my accent, and she's standing going, "What? <laughs> well, I was Who's Moses? <laughs> what are the ten commandments? Oh, do, no. do you mean the ten suggestions? Go back over there. Do you mean the ten? Do what you're supposed to do. Do you mean doing? the ten polite suggestions? My goodness, I feel like Chuck Amshagen's in the room again. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I hope that was clean. But, um, <laughs> recorded right in front of you. Anyway, right. So. We know very, very little about the Apostles. Um, there's even confusion about their names. So, <clears throat> a great deal of what I'm going to tell you tonight um, might not be true. Most of it comes from um, pious legends, in particular a work that is, uh, was put together in the medieval times called the Golden Legend, um, which has a lot of the lives of saints and things in it. So before we move on to that, is it does it affect Christianity that we can't tell we don't know the stories of these these twelve, thirteen men? Does that affect does that affect the message? No. Okay, why not? Because some people think it does. Because it's not about them, it's about what yeah. Christ. Right. So Phil could you look at, read out, Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5, please. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5. In Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5, St. Paul explains why he does what he does. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for the sake of Jesus. Thank you. We're not about glorifying ourselves. We're about preaching the message. The message, of course, is, is for Jesus. Now, why are Lutherans called Lutherans? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because of Martin Luther, Father Martin Luther. When you have a group that's named after someone, or they spend a whole lot of time going on about the the founder, when it's supposed to be talking about God, that should ring alarm bells for us. The apostles don't do that. There's no apostle. It's the same thing should apply to a priest. In the priest in the parish, most of you will have gone through this probably, when it, it seems to be a cult about the priest's personality rather than what the message is. So what you get is the kind of thing that happens, and some of you might have lived through this in parishes, you'll have priests talk about it's us against them rather than the fact that we're all Catholics. I mean, after all, after all the word Catholic means universal, right? So 
when I was in Manistee, when I was in Alpena. I mean, think about this, right? We've only got one church here in, in Onewe. Um But you go somewhere like Grand Rapids or Alpena or, or Manistee, and bishops, very stupidly, allowed people to build churches according to their ethnic origins every two blocks. That's not Catholic. That's cultic. So you have people say, well, we don't go to that French church. Now, they're all speaking with your accents, right? <laughs> we don't go to that French church. We go to the German church. And somebody like me standing there thinking, when the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but that has been, I would suggest to you, that's been a terrible thing in the American, in the American Catholic Church, or the Roman Catholic Church in America, because people become, it's us against them. It's a weird gang. And that's not how it should be. It should, it should be that we're all willing to accept the, the message, because the message should be the same, doesn't matter where you go, it should be the same. That's why we're called Catholics. The other thing is, one of the reasons that we don't know so much about the apostles is because, so not just that they're not, they were not that important, it's because if I was to ask who would like to volunteer, it's not a difficult thing, who would like to volunteer? Well, let me pick on someone. Who would like to volunteer? Oh, oh, for goodness sake! <laughs> Cheryl, well done. Tell me about the first priest you remember when you were also girl. Father Gatchison. Okay. Where was he from? I have no idea. Okay, how old was he? In his 50s. Okay. How did he die? He died being a priest at home. Okay. Right. She doesn't... All she remembers is the fact the man's name and he was a priest. Because that's all that's important. That was the same with the, the apostles. If we were to talk about Abraham Lincoln, who claims to know a lot about Abraham Lincoln? That would be me then, right? No. <laughs> so, where was Abraham Lincoln born? Which state? No, no. no, he was not. Kentucky. Thank you. Yay! Right, but that just gives an example. You're all supposed to be taught this kind of stuff at school, and you all went, Illinois! <laughs> and it took the foreigner to say, no, he didn't. That shows you that if someone, the reason why I'm, I'm going into this is because if someone says to you, um, well, you know, Christianity, I mean, you don't even know where they, what happened to the apostles and things like that. It's not important. So this is kind of like Catholic trivia we're going to do tonight. All you need to know is that all of them bar one, we're pretty sure, were martyred. And that's important to know, because people don't tend to get martyred for lies. They don't tend to go to the lengths, literally the lengths that these men went to for a lie. That doesn't tend to be what happens. Okay, so a couple of things that I wanted to um, explain first. There's a word called um, patronymic. Uh, it's a pity that um, Tom's not here 
because he's got a patronymic name. That's when you're named after your father. So, Johnston, Peterson, and if you're Polish, Vich, at the end of it. If you're Irish, O, at the start of it. If you're Scot Scottish or Northern Irish, Mac or Mick, at the start of it. They're all patronymics. It means son of. So, does anybody here have one? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, who lands one? McLean. 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 Yeah, means son of McLean. The apostles, as I as I go through them, the apostles have got different names within the lists, and some of them are patronomics, and some of them are not. And I just think it's useful for you to know um, that's what the word means. So if I say patronomics, so just it means that they are being called after their father. So in Judaism, it's nearly always Bar. So what's the name of the guy that the Romans or the Jews decided to not kill? Barabbas, which means? Means? Means son of the father. They chose the son of the father rather than the son of the father. Just as an aside, but Abbas is a patronomic name. His name means son of father. Okay. So which apostle should we start with? Ah, who? Well, okay. Well, who's the first? Who said that? Who said first? Don, is that you? No, he said Peter. Well, was he, he wasn't the first. I'm going to start with Peter, but he wasn't the first. Andrew. Andrew. Oh, was Andrew was, was the first. Andrew's big brother came later. Anyway, we'll go with... Um, but before we get into that... Okay, so... I need someone. I usually pick on Phil. Who wants to read some scripture? Phil. <laughs> All right, Phil. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. Then he summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every ailment. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, thank you. Um, now, Mark 3, chapter 3, verses 13 to 19. He went up the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them forth to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. He appointed the twelve. Simon, whom he named Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named Moanagus. That'll do, yeah. That is sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew. Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay. 
Were those lists identical? No. And then Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. In those days he departed to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. When the day came, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, who he also named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Okay, was that the same? No. No. Okay, Phil, could you now go back to Matthew, and again, chapter 10, 5 to 15. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town, or rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, make this proclamation, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper for your belts, no sack for the journey or a second tunic, or sandals, or walking stick, the laborer deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it, and stay there until you leave. As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you, or listen to your words, go outside that house or town and shake the dust from your feet. And I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the, on the day of judgment than for that town. Okay, that's a pretty easy task that they're being given. Eh? And then Mark 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. They drove out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. And now, please last uh, Luke nine, chapter uh, Luke nine, verses one to six. He summoned the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, "Take nothing for the journey: neither walking stick, nor sack, nor food, nor money, and let no one take a second to it." Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. And as for those who do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet in testimony against them. Then they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and curing diseases everywhere. Herod, the Petrarch, heard about all that was happening, and he was greatly perplexed because some were saying, John has been raised from the dead. I'll just uh, say, yeah, stop. That's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. That's okay. So, we just heard the lists and what they were um, commissioned to do. 
So remember, as I'm going through these, these men, what they were tasked to do, and ask yourself, how would I face that when I've just, I'm a salt and sake, as we're going to hear, I'm a fisherman, I've just been told by this, this man that I've been head off to places I don't know, away from the water, and I've got to take anything with me, I've just to trust in God, and it'll all work out well. Any volunteers? <laughs> I can tell you from personal experience, I've done sidewalk evangelization. Uh, it's not a particularly pleasant thing to do, depending where you do it, maybe. But uh, so there's another couple of. Um, if you look at, um, you got a chance. Acts, Act one to eight is a shorter commissioning, and then. There's a kind of final commissioning that the Lord gives in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 to 20, and that um, is really when he sends, the, sends them out, which is what we're going to hear tonight, send them out. So, first one, Simon, also called Peter. Um, Simon's symbol, you know what Simon's symbol is? Mo- so in every statue, almost every statue of, of um, saints, but certainly the apostles, there's what, it's what's called in, in English iconography. So they often have the most important symbols with them of, of the things to do with their ministries or miracles that they, they perform. So St. Cuber has nearly always got a deer around them, right? And what is St. Peter's? What did you say? What was your sorry, Roger? What was your fish? You seen statues of Saint Peter with a fish? I haven't seen a picture of Saint Peter in a long time. Then you're not looking up above our, <laughs> the back, about one of our back stained glass windows. I walk out very humbly, head down in prayer. It's a moderately good save. Moderately good save, but what is what is Saint Peter's symbol? Thank you. The keys. And what are the keys like? One is silver, one is gold. One symbolizes the binding, and one symbolizes the loosing. Okay. Why has he got keys? Why has he got keys? You didn't understand what? The, the one, is, one is silver, one is gold. One symbolizes the binding here on earth, another one the loosing here on earth. That's why they're different colors. Okay. Okay. So why has he got keys? Jesus gave him the keys to the Why? What's so important about Jesus giving him the keys? Kingdom. Kingdom. He is the head of the church. What did you say? He's the chief. <laughs> He's the kingdom. Keys to the kingdom. Okay, Phil. Isaiah. 22, 22. Every single one of you should know this verse. Isaiah 22, 22. Every single one of you should be able to quote it to people. Now, Phil's going to read it. Isaiah 22, 22. Are you there already, Sandy? Oh, go ahead then. I will place the king of the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one shall. What? When he opens, no one shall shut. 
when he shuts, no one shall open. Thank you. So what's going on there is the Chamberlain, now I know you don't have a monarchy here, um, but the Chamberlain was always the chief minister of the of the king or the queen. And in the when the when the Israelites had a monarchy, the Chamberlain had a key that was apparently about four feet long. He actually carried it on his shoulder and it did actually open the treasury. So when Jesus says to Peter, and I will give you the keys, he is saying to him, without any shadow of a doubt, you're my first minister, you're my chamberlain. That's why it's so important you understand that and can quote that, because what is one of the things that non-Catholics would say to us? That there's no Pope, that's not what Jesus meant. They talk about the rock. Their understanding of the rock is that the rock is the faith of the apostles and kind of vague thing. It's not what's going on. The word rock is personalized. It's about Peter. It's calling him the rock, not an object, him. And he gives him the keys. He's just said to him, you're my chamberlain. You're my first minister. So that's why it's really important if someone says to you that that that's not a thing. That's what it is. It's easy to remember Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. It's pretty easy to remember if you're going to show it to people. Okay, so um, we know quite a lot about about Peter, but we don't know how much of it's true, right? Because of who he was. So Peter, see if you can guess why I know this. Peter was probably five foot four tall. Does anybody know why I would know that? Well, the average height of people in the... Because the keys uh, were bigger No, the average height of... That's a good one, though. I like that. She said, because the keys were bigger than him. Um, those keys are bigger than everyone. Um, the average height of, of uh, middle men in the Middle East um, in the past was about five foot six, by the way. And so Goliath was probably about six foot six. That's why they thought he was a giant, just as an aside. Anyway, um, because we have Peter's skeleton. And at some point I'll do a class about that, about the finding of the fisherman's tomb, because I've actually been there. But, and it's fascinating. But the, the tomb that's underneath St. Peter's, the ossuary, um, it holds a man, a strongly built man, who is of Middle Eastern origin, who was probably five foot four tall and had his feet chopped off. And legend tells us that so for the Christians to try and get Peter's body as quickly as possible, they chopped his feet off to get him off the cross. They were in such a rush to get what they could of, of Peter. But I'll go through that as a class in the future. So from he's from a, a place called Beth, Bethsaida, which is on the Lake Galilee. That actually translates into English as Fisherman's Haven. The likelihood is, because that whole area was both Aramaic and Greek-speaking, the likelihood is that um, Peter could speak both Greek and Aramaic. Education-wise, the, the Jews are very strong on educating um, boys, not so much on girls, but in some parts, some places the girls were allowed to, to be educated. Our Lady clearly knew the Torah. Right, because 
she understood when Gabriel was talking to her, her lady understood what was going on there um, as best anybody could. So probably from the age of 7 to the age of 13, he was at school learning off by heart the Torah, the Torah being the first five books of what we call the Bible. They wouldn't have bothered about counting particularly. They wouldn't have bothered about, about writing particularly. They would only have been teaching um, the Torah. In modern times, there is a, a, a type of Islamic school called Wahhabis. Um, They're funded by Saudi Arabia. And what they do is they take boys and they just get them to learn the Quran off by heart. They just have to repeat it again and again and again. Now, they don't need to understand the Arabic. They just need to be able to say it. Rather strange concept for us. But it's one of the ways. So all the, all the guys that were in the 9-11 attacks, all bar one, had all gone to um, Wahhabi schools funded by Saudi Arabia. That's where most terrorists come from. Um, Osama bin Laden spent much of his millionaire, he was a millionaire from a very wealthy family. Most of his money was in the promotion and building up of Wahhabi schools. And um, so it's a similar kind of thing to that. It's just a, it's more a, it doesn't matter if you don't know what it says, you've got to be able to say it. Um, there was a fisherman, as we all know. They had two types of, of uh, nets, apparently. The drag net, we heard about that at, um, just the facts, madam, just the facts. We, uh, oh, come on. I, think I was desperate to use that in the homily on Saturday. I think it deserved more than, oh. Thanks, Phyllis. She's pretending she's too young to know what I'm talking about. Just the facts, madam, just the facts, never mind. Okay, you're Joe Friday. I'm Joe Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I don't even know what that show is. Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry, see when your nose got bigger there, it nearly, nearly skewered me to that back wall. Right. Sheltered child. So there are two types of net. They're the drag net, uh, which was weighted down, like, as it says. They, uh, they had another kind of, it was a throwing net, but it didn't just have um, weights on it. It also had hooks on it, apparently, so it would act in two fashions. That's two types of ways that they, they fished in the boats. The, the dragnet was about 100 feet by 12 feet, uh, 12 feet deep. And the boats carried about eight or um, maybe six to eight people. It's, uh, as far as we can tell, fishermen were members of a guild. Um, most of the <coughs> people in that community would have had undergone arranged marriages, usually from uh, 15 onwards, was St. Peter married? Yes. 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 How do we know? Because his mother-in-law was ill. Right. Has anybody ever heard what tradition says St. Paul, uh, Peter's wife's name was? Eden. Perpetua. Which is a, it's a Greek name. So it may not have been her original name, but um, that's what tradition tells us. And he had a daughter. And the daughter was called Petronila. And the daughter's, the death of the daughter is recorded on a tombstone in Rome that was found back in the 70s. And it says on the tombstone in, in Latin, here lies the blessed daughter of uh, Peter Bar Barjona. Um, her name is Petronila. 
So, um, of course, as you know, he was a Galilean fisherman. So, and Galilean fishermen, in particular, were known for their for their piety. You, you sometimes find this um, certain professions are known for more of a belief in God than others. One is farming. A lot of farmers have a, a, a belief in God because of the, the circle of the seasons and they see and they tend also to be to be patient. Roger's probably sitting thinking there, I missed that one, Father. But, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know what I thought you were? Now, <laughs> if I have to be patient. Oh, right. <laughs> but you, you sometimes find out that certain certain professions in different cultures uh, have more more devout people in them. Um, but the, so the Galilean fishermen were particularly known for being pious, and we know that Peter was a particularly devout um, Jew because of something that happened in the Acts of the Apostles, something that he said to God in a vision. Do you remember that? Do you remember the sheep that comes down with all the before he, he goes to the Gentiles with all the things on it, and the the, the angel says to him, God says to him, um, take and eat, and and he says nothing unclean has ever passed my lips. So he knows that he's. Uh, we know then that he was devout, because um, you wouldn't be under circumstance like that. You wouldn't be lying to God, would you? <laughs> That's not going to end well. No. Um, like sitting there with his fingers crossed. No, I'm perfectly devout. No, yeah, honestly, honestly. Um, with Andrew, James, and John, um, he seems to have been a disciple of John the Baptist. We know for a fact that John and Andrew were, because we know that uh, Andrew was told to follow Jesus by John the Baptist himself. Um, the first time that he meets. Jesus is recorded in John chapter 1, verse 42. Phil, John chapter 1, verse 42, please. This is the first, the first encounter of, of course, the Savior with his, his... Go ahead, please. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Okay, thank you. That took place. Um, in Scripture, it's often translated as Bethany, but actually probably took place in a place called uh, Bethabarbar, which is a suburb of Bethany. Bethany, of course, is where uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus uh, live. It's, it's in the Jordan Valley, about 16 miles east of uh, Jerusalem. The second meeting took place in Luke chapter 5 verse 4 and onwards so that's Luke chapter 5 verse 4 and onwards up to about verse 12 I think ok which verse is uh, uh, 4 and following after he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them, 
They came and filled both boats so that they were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of the fish they had made seized him and all those with him, and likewise James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Thank you. Jesus told them, Don't be afraid. Then Jesus um, goes to his house, and that's where we have the, the scene where he heals the um, uh, perpetuous mother, and that becomes his base. And um, in, in Mark um, chapter one, verse thirty-two to thirty-three, you you um, you hear that that is what he's doing, and then in, what you find out is that. Um, <coughs> Everybody in the village is gathering um, around the house, so because it's become Jesus' base of, base of operations. Um, he witnessed the transfiguration, and he actually uh, we have this the great gift of hearing from Peter himself what he saw, and that's in Second Peter chapter one verses sixteen to nineteen. So Second Peter. Chapter 1, verses 16 to 19. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father, and that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard his voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we possess a prophetic message that is altogether reliable. You will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until dawns, until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Know this, first of all, that there is no prophecy of scripture that is, that is a matter of personal interpretation for no prophecy ever came through human will, but rather human beings moved by the Holy Spirit spoke under the influence of God. Thank you. That's a, one of the rare times where we actually have an eyewitness tell us, apart from obviously um, Matthew and John in the Gospels, but we've got Peter telling us. So this weekend we, try, we are celebrating the Transfiguration, um, and that's what Peter himself says um, he witnessed. Um, tradition tells us that, ancient tradition tells us that he, he was probably the first disciple to see the risen Lord. And even older tradition tells us that it was Our Lady. So you can pick, I know which one I picked. Yeah. That would be Our Lady. Um, after being forgiven in Pentecost, he became the strong leader. Uh, he, if uh, you remember, that in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and following, he gives a very powerful homily, um, and he, to which 5,000 people immediately, immediately come into the church. You remember how he does it. He doesn't say that the authorities did such and such. He said, you people, 
took the Messiah and killed him. And then people say, what are we supposed to do about that? And they come into the church. This is a very different man. This shows you what the being forgiven of your sins and uh, living out the your uh, the sacrament of confirmation, the gifts of confirmation, can do to you. He suddenly becomes this very sh- assured man from going a man who went hot and cold, got angry, got, got confused. He's now very, he's very sure. And as we all know, because we, we heard this and we went through it in Acts of the Apostles, he received beatings, he escaped jail by the help of an angel. Um, Gamaliel was so impressed by him. Do you remember who Gamaliel is? Oh, the teacher of oh. Paul's teacher, one of the wisest rabbis ever to have lived. Um, uh, he's a historical real figure, as of course aren't they all. But um, Gamaliel warns the Sanhedrin because he's so impressed by, by Peter. Then Peter begins to send out the others as missionaries because Peter is the leader. He's instructed, as we touched upon, that the Gentiles have to be brought into the faith. You'll find that in Acts chapter 10. He then went to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So if you've got your maps with you. This is Turkey. Here. Istanbul is up here. So Antioch is there. So Peter went from here into Asia Minor, he became the first patriarch bishop of Antioch, the Antiochian churches. He's very proud of, of that, as they rightfully should be. Um, he was he stayed in Antioch for about seven years, we're told. Also, there is in the in the Golden Legend, um, it says that he went to Gaul, which is modern day France, and he also went here. Which is? That's not Scotland. Scotland's not on this map because they never invaded us. We fought them off. He went to he went to England. So that's the Roman Empire at the time of just the death of Jesus. They, 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 the Romans never invaded us. They're too scared. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me come back and slap you. I'll, give you. I'll show you what we did to the Romans. They built not just one wall to keep us, to keep stay away from us, they built two walls. Anyway, um, then after a lot of different travels, round about <clears throat> the year 59-60 AD, he arrived in Rome <clears throat> and he had a confrontation with... Um, the, the magician is mentioned in Acts of the Apostles, Simon Magus, and there Simon uh, Magus, and there is, there is legend that the reason why Peter was asked to come to Rome was because Simon Magus was leading people astray. Um, he's the man that tried to buy the gifts of the Holy Spirit off of, I think it was Philip in the Acts of the Apostles. And there's this the legend that the confront, there's a confrontation between Peter and Magus. Magus calls Peter out and says, can you do this? And, and Magus was a, 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 a demon worshipper. And he starts to float. And St. Peter closes his eyes, 
clearly praying, legend tells us, and Magus fell to the ground and broke both his legs. And then the crowd beat him to death. <laughs> Don't mess about with God. <laughs> then he got John Mark, who we call him Mark, as a secretary, follower John Mark had been in a, 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 a companion with Barabbas, um, uh, Barnabas, Barnabas rather, with St. Paul. Um, and then he wrote, um, Mark wrote his gospel. So Mark's gospel, as I've told you all this before, Mark's gospel is, as far as we can tell, the preaching of Peter that Mark was writing down. That's why it's so punchy. It's also short as well. It's, it's the oldest. Um, and then the epistles. Then Nero's persecution started. And I'm going to do a class on persecution, so I won't go into too much about that. But anyway, um, Peter and his wife perpetual were arrested. It's recorded the last thing that Peter said to his wife as she was being dragged away was, be strong, remember the Lord, remember the Lord, be strong. And then they were, she was martyred. And then on June 29th, AD 67, approximately the age of 70, he was crucified upside down. And you know, legend tells us that he asked for that because he didn't feel worthy to um, die the same way as the Lord. And that might be what happened. But the Roman soldiers had a rather uh, bizarre uh, habit of trying all different kinds of ways to kill people. So they would crucify people at an angle. They would crucify people over, over you know, hanging out, backwards, and all that kind of stuff. But legend tells us that that's what Peter said. So, Andrew, Peter's brother. Andrew's symbol is? I'm so disappointed. It's the flag of Scotland. It's called the St. Andrew's flag. It's called the St. Andrew's cross. He was crucified in a cross like that. It's also called the Feltire. Okay, Andrew's brother, he was a disciple of um, John the Baptist. He was told in the verse just before Phil started reading earlier for Peter's first meeting, he was told by John the Baptist, that's the Lamb of God, go follow him. He brought Peter to Jesus. He brought the little boy with the loaves and fishes to Jesus. And he brought the Greek inquirers to Jesus. Um, his education, excuse me, would have been similar to his brother's. But it does seem from these incidents to have been a very humble and trusting man um, for years and years and years I was always known and I went to visit my brothers I was always known as either Father Drew's little brother Father Simon's little brother Father Mark's little brother right? and if they ever came to visit me what a difference I'd watch their faces and somebody said well that's Father Scott's big brother and some people deal with that better than others, right? It would seem that, that Andrew didn't have a problem with that. Didn't mind being known or being... With, with nothing with nothing you read in the Gospels, nothing that, that's recorded, would get the impression that Andrew had any problems with being the little brother. Um, it seems that he lived with uh, Peter and Petra. And after Pentecost, he went. he became a missionary to Pontus. Uh, Pontus on the map. Yes. Pontus, up here. In the Black Sea. And he did a lot of missionary work uh, up there. He went further along to <coughs> Armenia. 
as well. He was the first, he established the Patriarchy of Byzantium. So Byzantium then became Constantinople. And what's the song saying? Istanbul's 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 Constantinople. Constantinople. Nobody knows why, but the Turks. You don't know that song? I want you to learn it by next week. Alright, okay. He became the the first patriarch there. He then went further north to preach to the the Scythians, which, um, so he went outside the empire to what we would call, um, it's the, right, so, he, he kind of went up here to what is, what would be considered the South Urals, and um, it's recorded in legend that he met there a blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, which they'd never met before. Uh, they were cannibals. <laughs> So, and he, he started converting them. He then went to Greece, he then came down to Petras, which became his base. Petras is here. Yeah, it's here, it's in here. Um, it's an industrial port, it's not a very pretty place. Don't know what it was like then. He was arrested, there's... Um, Lots of stories about him healing, curing people and things like that. Um, he was put in jail. <coughs> and the legend is that they had to, every day, they had to change the guards because by the time it got to the morning, the guards all had been baptised. This <laughs> 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 is a beautiful story. You think about that, that he spent his whole time. So then he, was on the, uh, November the 28th in AD 69, he was condemned to death. And for two days, two and a half days, he spent the whole time preaching, hanging on his diagonal cross. And it's reckoned that in that time, his preaching brought nearly a thousand people into the church. So that's Andrew. James. Now, Scripture mentions four different Jameses. In fact, I'm not even sure what the... The, the plural for James's is. If it was Irish, it'd be Shemai. But uh, so this is James the Greater, probably called the Greater because he was taller than the other James, who gets called the Lesser. Uh, he's the brother of John. There is a place in northern Spain called uh, Santiago de Compostela. Yep. Um, around here because legend has it that James died there and he went there and he preached um, his parents were uh, Zebedee and Salome our lady's sister so he was a first cousin to Jesus um, you know at the foot of the cross there are three different Marys mentioned and it's all um, some point, maybe next Lent or something like that, I'll put them all up and show you the tree, how they all, who's who and stuff like that. But if I started reading it out to you now, you'd be going. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen um, 
Monty Python's um, History of the World. There's a scene in that where they're in the public school and John Cleese says, the boys who are going home put their, their, their coats on the top peg. Unless they're going home the day after tomorrow, then their coats to go to the middle peg. The boys who are staying put their on the bottom peg, unless they're going to eat dinner tonight when it goes to the top peg. And he goes on like that for ages. That's a bit like trying to work out who all the people at the foot of the cross are. But it is possible to do it. And one of them is our, our lady's um, sister. Um, so we, we know that they, um, James, the greater, was one of the inner circle. So Peter, James and John. Are there at the raising of Charis' daughter, the Transfiguration in Gethsemane, and because um, I think I've, I'm, I might go, might give you some insights into that because of the the time. Um, because you know they're called the Sons of Thunder, or Agnes. Um, some people, some scholars think they're called the Sons of Thunder because they wanted to call down thunder, thunder and lightning on the villages that are, are people who were preaching, who weren't part of the, the group. It might not be that. Some other church fathers said it was because James was known for his very impressive um, size, James the Greater, and also his voice. So, as I say, he went to, to, to Spain. Um, he is reported to have been the first person to receive a vision of Our Lady. Well, she was still alive by location. He was preaching in Spain. Now, this is an old, old uh, legend. She was preaching in Sp he was preaching in Spain, and he was, didn't feel he was getting anywhere, and he was getting very despondent. And Our Lady appeared to him and told him, carry on with what you're doing. You will be successful. Um, he's the one that gets mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles. So, Phil, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, please. Chapter 12, 1-3 About that time King Herod laid hands upon some members of the church to harm them. He had James, the brother of John, killed by the sword, and when he saw that this was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Thank you. <clears throat> um, that probably happened in AD 42. Being beheaded would imply that he was a Roman citizen. Paul's beheaded, everybody else gets impaled and crucified. So just very quickly, as I do have things at the time. So, Peter, James and John, um, the inner circle. It's not clear why the Lord picked them. Now, so we know now, historically we know that James and John were his cousins, and Peter was obviously extremely important. But one of the, the things that's put forward, there's a couple of theories put forward, but one of the, the, the theories that's put forward for it being Peter, James, and John, and it's the one that makes sense to, to me, and it was echoed by St. Thomas Aquinas, is Peter, for obvious reasons, right, leader of the, the leader, right. James, the first to be martyred, so Jesus knew that was going to happen, and John, the last one to die. So he has his, his main man with him. He has the first to shed blood and the, the last one who will bear witness at the, at, in 70 odd years time, something like that. Um, that. There are other 
theories about it, about it. One theory is because John is younger, it's got about, about youth being in there. Um, the, the one I just gave you is the one I, I happen to think is the one that kind of makes sense, but it could be as simple as he asked them because he was because they were his cousins. But as you're going to find out, they weren't his only cousins that were apostles. He has other cousins that are apostles as well. So, so we clearly will be doing this next week as well. Um, just very quickly before we do the final prayer, any any questions? I guess my question is: Are you finding it interesting? Yeah, very. Mm-hmm. Um, any any anything I can clarify? I'm Scottish. <laughs> I'm not Irish. <laughs> you clarify that, so I can see it. You'd be surprised. You'd be, you'd be surprised. People are still ask me that. Um, okay, so next week we'll go through the, the rest of the um, apostles, starting with James the Lesser. I will go through. Um, there's a lot less known about most of the rest of them. And I'm going to include uh, St. Matthias as well. And then if we've got got time next week, I'll do some prep to start doing the, the journeys of St. Paul. Because um, I think that's interesting as well. That, uh, especially if we're going to, as we're doing the history of the church, it would be good if we kind of see where the first, first guys all, all went. Okay, so... Let's uh, end in prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, rekindle in them the fire of thy love. Set forth thy spirit, and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit. We truly wise, never to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Archangel. Amen. Let us now be our Savior and the Lord. May God be with him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits that prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast.blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. You can also like us on Facebook. Let's Talk Catholic is produced by Nick Medelsky and can be heard right here on Relevant Radio in Northern Michigan, Saturdays at noon.